Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Okay, today is Sunday, I mean, oops, Thursday, <laughs> Thanksgiving, and we're about to do accent tag based off the accent tag that's on uh, YouTube for everybody to share how they say certain words. I'll start out, and I have two other people who will be joining me and sharing what they believe these words to spill. No. <laughs> okay, aunt. 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 Ruth. Roof. Ruth. Route. Root. Route. Oil. 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 Theater. 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 Iron. 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 Salmon. 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 Caramel. 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 Fire. 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 Water. 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 Sure. 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 Data. 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 Ruin. 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 Canyon. 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 New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Pecan. 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 Both. 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 Probably. 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 Spitting image. Spitting image. Spitting image. Liar. Lawyer. Lawyer. Alabama. 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 Coupon. 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 Mayonnaise. 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 Syrup. 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 Pajamas. 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 Cot. 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 Naturally. 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 Aluminum. 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 Envelope. 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 Emu. 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 Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Voila. We are done. Join in and share how you say those words. Write them down like I did. Thank you. Bye.
Bonsoir and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, mesdames and messieurs. It is Sunday, the seventh day of February in the year 2016, and you are now listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio. I'm your hostess, Sandra London of livinggrind.com and playtimewithsandra.com, broadcasting for you live from the sunny beaches of Southern California in connection with Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn Radio, iTunes Digital Podcast, and Naked Girls Radio. At the top of the hour, you heard Accent Tag featuring myself, Sandra London of livinggrind.com, and Scorpion and Sir Miggs, Miggs of megaworld.com, based out in Tampa. And after that, you heard Love Space by Convulsic. Congratulations, Denver Broncos. Woohoo! I'm very, very happy because I won my first ever playful virtual bet with Lamar Gafford, Mr. Sports Journalist Superhero Guy over there in Louisiana. Um, uh, if you have all been taking note, or if any of you have been taking note, <laughs> uh, when it comes to the Super Bowl, I'm happy to place a bet blind and not know what's going on, and it's friendly and virtual. You know, it's hypothetical, la, la, la. But anyways, I always lose. (laughs) However, this year I did not. So I'm very happy. Um, I am extremely happy that Denver won because they were my choice. And believe it or not, I picked that, you know, the final, out of the final four teams that it would be Carolina and Denver. I did pick that in advance. Um, And I put, like, what I thought the final score would be for, uh, uh, da-da-da-da, Denver and Carolina. I said 23 to 17. It was actually 24 to 10. So I was only off by one by my team. Um, I I gave a little nudge to Carolina. I thought they might get one more touchdown before the end of the game. However, be that as it may, either way, I still won one finally. <laughs> Woohoo! Chapeau to moi! Yay! Alrighty, yeah. So I hope you all are doing well. Um, and I was going to say something else. It'll come back to me. Oh, yes. Um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I had intended to, fully, fully intended to, um, uh, um, I don't know, podcast, uh, Chapter 5 and Chapter 6. Um, uh, done Chapter 1 through 4 already. So if anybody is unaware of any of that, just search through my episodes. I have quite a few over 100, a little bit over 100 episodes since uh, 2012 when I first began my show. Um, but it's semi-recent. So within the last year that I did chapters 1 through 4, 5 and 6 are ready, and I want to do 1 through 6 all together. I still have not decided if this evening I'll just go ahead and do just 5 and 6 tonight, or if I'll just do 1, or if I will alternatively, excuse me, <laughs> through do... <laughs> one through six with like maybe like a one minute song break between each chapter we're already in this broadcast and i still have no definitive choice i'm going to think about it a little bit longer um but either way i will give you music um and fun time so uh while i think a little bit more (laughs) okay i don't know what this song is right here i'm going to test it out i forget i probably like it because i wouldn't add it to my studio if i didn't so It's called It's Alright, and it's by 
a group called Obsession, and then I'll be right back with you. The call-in number is 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333. Watching part, what would you call it? 
viewing, <laughs> whatever, like a party to watch it. Like it's pretty mellow and low key and awesome. But like normally I love blaring music and like loud busyness or something. Like I don't know. In the past, when I would watch like uh, playoffs basketball, I used to watch uh, basketball playoffs every year pretty much and there'd always be a lot of like noise and people around and like music and stuff so yeah <laughs> but there you are the song's still lovely on its own but um just so i can perk myself up a little bit i need to hear like just some madness real quick so i'm gonna play <laughs> uh tupac last mother mother ever breathing I would curse, but why? I don't know. Who knows? Am I censoring? Am I self-censoring? I have no idea. Either way, I love the song, and I'm going to play it. So here you are. Y'all can take what I'm back a belly train. 
we're back. You're listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio, and I'm your hostess, Sandra London of livinggrind.com and playtimewithsandra.com. Uh, you heard uh, Last Mother Ever Breathing by Tupac Shakur and The Long Awaited Rain by Saki. And because I still love Carolina, I have tons of family from both of the Carolinas, I'm going to play... <laughs> Um, a song by P.D. Pablo called Raise It. Here you go. I'm 
chapters five and chapter six. Um, Kafka, my puppy doggy, Russian toy terrier over here is making his little grunts and whatever. But I believe I have enough time to do chapter five and chapter six. So for anyone who hasn't heard chapters one through four, just go look for it. But if you're not wanting to do that, then very shortly I will have one through six and then one through ten all together and one piecemeal package for you all. <laughs> yeah. But let me give you chapter five, uh, and then I will be right back with you. The call in number is eight five eight eight one five two three three three. Once again eight five eight eight one five two three three three. And here is my audio recording of chapter five of Doctor Jekyll or yeah, and Mr. Hyde or Strange Case. Strange case of Doctor Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, written by Robert Louis Stevenson, performed by yours truly, Sandra London of livinggrind.com and playtimewithsandra.com. Voila. Incident of the Letter It was late in the afternoon when Mr. Utterson found his way to Dr. Jekyll's door where he was at once admitted by pool and carried down by the kitchen offices and across the yard, which had once been a garden, to the building, which was indifferently known as the laboratory or dissecting rooms. The doctor had bought the house from the heirs of the celebrated surgeon, and his own tastes, being rather chemical than anatomical, had changed the destination of the block at the bottom of the garden. It was the first time that the lawyer had been received in that part of his friend's quarters, and he eyed the dingy, windowless structure with curiosity and gazed round with a distasteful sense of strangeness as he crossed the theater. Once crowded with eager students and now lying gaunt and silent, the tables laden with chemical apparatus, the floor strewn with crates and littered with packing straw, and the light falling dimly through the foggy cupola. At the further end, a flight of stairs mounted to a door covered with red baize, and through this, Mr. Utterson was at last received into the doctor's cabinet. It was a large room fitted round with glass presses, furnished, among other things, with a cheval glass and a business table, and looking out upon the court by three dusty windows barred with iron. The fire burned in the grate. A lamp was set, lighted on the chimney shelf. For even in the houses, the fog began to lie thickly. And there, close up to the warmth, sat Dr. Jekyll, looking deathly sick. He did not rise to meet his visitor, but held out a cold hand and bade him welcome in a changed voice. And now, said Mr. Utterson, as soon as Poole had left them, you have, you have heard the news? The doctor shuddered. They were crying it in the square, he said. I heard them in my dining room. One word, said the lawyer. Carry with my client, but so are you, and I want to know what I'm doing. You have not been mad enough to hide this fellow. Oh, listen, I swear to God cried the doctor. I swear to God I will never sit eyes on him again. I bind my honor to you. I'm done with him in this world. It is all at an end. And, and 
Indeed, he does not want my help. You do not know him as I do. He's safe. He's quite safe to mark my words. He will never more be heard of. The lawyer listened gloomily. He did not like his friend's feverish manner. You seem pretty sure of him, said he, and for your sake, I hope you may be right. If it came to a trial, our name might appear. I am quite sure of him, replied Beckel. I have grounds for certainty that I cannot share with anyone, but there is one thing on which you may advise me. I have... I've received a letter, and I'm at a loss whether I should show it to the police. I should look to leave it in your hands, Addison. You would judge wisely, I'm sure. I have so great a trust in you. You fear, I suppose, that it might lead to his detection, asked the lawyer. No, said the other. I cannot say that I care what becomes applied. I'm quite done with him. I was thinking my own character, which these hateful business has rather exposed. Anderson ruminated a while. He was surprised at his friend's selfishness, and yet relieved by it. Well, said he, at last, let me see the letter. The letter was written in an odd, upright hand and signed Edward Hyde, and it signified, briefly enough, that the writer's benefactor, Dr. Jekyll, whom he had long so unworthily repaid for a thousand generosities, need labor under no alarm for his safety, as he had means of escape, on which he placed a sure dependence. The lawyer liked this letter well enough. It put a better color on the intimacy than he had looked for, and he blamed himself for some of his past suspicions. Have you the, the envelope? he asked. I burned it, replied Jekyll. Before I thought what I was about, but it bore no postmark. The note was handed in. Shall I keep this and sleep upon it? asked Addison. I wish you to judge me for me entirely, was the reply. I've lost confidence in myself. Well, I shall consider returned the lawyer. And now, one word more. It was Hyde who dictated the terms in your will about uh, that disappearance. The doctor seemed seized with a qualm of faintness. He shut his mouth tight and nodded. I knew it, said Ederson. He meant to murder you. You had a fine escape. I've had what is far more to the purpose, returned the doctor solemnly. I've had a lesson. Oh, God, Utterson, what a lesson I've had. And he covered his face for a moment with his hand. On his way out, the lawyer stopped and had a word or two with Poole. By the by, said he, there was a letter handed in today. What was the message of luck? But Poole was positive nothing had come except by post. And only speculates by that, he added. This news sent off the visitor with his fears renewed. Plainly, the letter had come by the laboratory door. Possibly, indeed, it had been written in the cabinet. And if that were so, it must be differently judged and handled with the more caution. The newsboys, as he went, were crying themselves hoarse along the footways. Special edition, shocking murder of an MP, 
that was a funeral oration of one friend and client, and he could not help a certain apprehension lest the good name of another should be sucked down in the eddy of the scandal. It was, at least, a ticklish decision that he had to make, and self-reliant as he was by habit, he began to cherish a longing for advice. It was not to be had directly, but perhaps he thought it might be fished for. Presently after, he sat on one side of his own hearse with Mr. Guest, his head clerk, upon the other, and midway between, at a nicely calculated distance from the fire, a bottle of a particular old wine that had long dwelt unsunned in the foundations of his house. The fog still slept on the wing above the drowned city, where the lamps glimmered like carbuncles, and through the muffle and smother of these fallen clouds. The procession of the town's life was still rolling in through the great arteries with the sound as of a mighty wind. But the room was gay with firelight. In the bottle, the acids were long ago resolved. The imperial dye had softened with time as the color grows richer in stained windows. And the glow of hot autumn afternoons on hillside vineyards was ready to be set free and to disperse the fogs of London. Insensibly, the lawyer melted. There was no man from whom he kept fewer secrets than Mr. Guest, and he was not always sure that he kept as many as he meant. Guest had often been on business to the doctors. He knew Poole. He could scarce have failed to hear of Mr. Hyde's familiarity about the house. He might draw conclusions. Was it not as well, then, that he should see a letter which put that mystery to right? And above all, since Guest being a great student and a critic of handwriting, would consider the step natural and obliging. The clerk, besides, was a man of counsel. He could scarce read so strange a document without dropping a remark. And by that remark, Mr. Utterson might shape his future course. This is a sad business about Sir Danvers, he said. Yes, uh, indeed. It has elicited a great deal of public feeling, returned Guest. The man, of course, was mud. I should like to hear your views on that, replied Edison. I have a document here in this handwriting. It is between ourselves, for I scarce know what to do about it. It is an ugly business at the best, but there it is, quite in your way, a murderous autograph. The guest's eyes brightened, and he sat down at once and studied it with passion. No, sir, he said, not mad, but it is an odd hand. And by all accounts, a very odd writer, added the lawyer. Just then, the servant entered with a note. Is that from Dr. Jekyll, sir? inquired the clerk. I thought I knew the writing. And it's in private, Mr. Utterson. Only an, in- only an invitation to dinner. Why? Do you want to see it? One moment. I thank you, sir. And the clerk laid the two sheets of paper alongside and sedulously compared their contents. Thank you, sir, he said at last, returning both. It's a very interesting autograph. There was a pause, during which Mr. Utterson struggled with himself. Why did you compare this gift? He inquired suddenly. Well, sir, returned the clerk, There's a rather singular resemblance. The two hands are in many points identical, 
only differently sloped? Rather quaint, said Utterson. It is, as you say, rather quaint, returned Guest. I wouldn't speak of this note, you know, said the master. No, sir, said the clerk. I understand. But no sooner was Mr. Utterson alone that night than he locked the note into a safe where it reposed from that time forward. What? He thought. Henry Jekyll sword for murderer. And his blood ran cold in his veins. Rappers like it's dinner for a slave No still a chicken, so I've never been afraid Now this that undeniable Thunder, fire, flow, punch you While my eyes are closed, plucking down the highest Focus jungle into my enclosed Tumbled in a hide phone, luckily she liked the bone Fucking in a private zone, blooded up a pirate cone, she's sucking as she drive me home Her fucking got a tire blown, hunting for a fire stone, filthy wishing for riches Killing industry niggas, appealing millions of bitches Don't deal with envious snitches Don't got a job, but I still get by uh, Ain't got a time but I still get high, uh, ain't that for time, but I still stay fly, uh, you got a problem, need to chill home, boy, uh, innovative, independent, indecisive, intermission, intercourse, I'm interested in women who love it in their cores, this beat ain't mine, it's yours, you feel it in your pores, it reaches deep, fry shorts, and then the heat absorbs, your head just starts knocking, that is just not an option, I'm like a red toxin, and like a red oxen, since I'm the best talking, niggas can get to walking, my many skills to give you thoughts, like forget Hobson, Boston, Massachusetts, Got a problem, child. He smoke, drink, cuss, and fight, and they call him cow. Mean dude when you play with the dough. Know a spot in California near the Lakers, yo. Plus a shop with all the ganja, yeah, that fuego dro. Dry south, down the border, viva Mexico. Uh, ain't got a mom, but I suck milk dry. Uh, ain't got a car, but I still got drive. Uh, ain't that for dime, but I still stay fly. Uh, you got a problem, need a chill, homeboy. You got my 40, homie. Man? Well, fuck you then, punk. Smoking blunts of shitty marijuana Had to do what got a tote while barely getting dollars Life is hard staying up, make your family honor I can barely stand the rain, I'm playing till my Grammy hour Family dollar chips, cold cup, faucet water I know a sax player status, fuck he lost his father My temper shorter than many me underwater I kill my enemies by conceiving the daughters I beat you senseless with pillowcases of hornets They flipping bitches so niggas can pay the mortgage Tipping vending machines still in the quarters I'd love to write fuck you on my forehead My hip-hop, so I'm staying alive uh, Ain't got a rock, but I still take mine Ain't that for dime, but I still stay fly uh, You got a problem, need to chill, homeboy huh, Couldn't take the heat, so I kill KY Now I'm back on my feet, and I'm Bill K. Rhymes Seen the light eight times, beats drive makes nine If you wanna beat the best, you must defeat they grind Pirate Playtime with Sandra Radio, and I'm your hostess, Sandra London of livinggrind.com and playtimewithsandra.com. You just heard Chapter 5 of Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and Backburner by Kyle Young. And for your final chapter of this evening, 
I will play Chapter 6 of Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, written by Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, performed, audio performed by yours truly, Sandra London of livinggrind.com and playtimewithsandra.com. Voila. Chapter 6, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson, recorded by Sandra London. Incident of Dr. Lanyon, Chapter 6. Time ran on. Thousands of pounds were offered in reward for the death of Sir Danvers was resented as a public injury. But Mr. Hyde had disappeared out of the ken of the police as though he had never existed. Much of his past was unearthed, indeed, and all disreputable. Tales came out of the man's cruelty, at once so callous and violent, of his vile life, of his strange associates, of the hatred that seemed to have surrounded his career. But of his present whereabouts, not a whisper. From the time he had left the house in Soho on the morning of the murder, he was simply blotted out. And gradually, as time drew on, Mr. Utterson began to recover from the hotness of his alarm and to grow more at quiet with himself. The death of Sir Danvers was, to his way of thinking, more than paid for by the disappearance of Mr. Hyde. Now that the evil influence had been withdrawn, a new life began for Dr. Jekyll. He came out of his seclusion, renewed relations with his friends, and became once more their familiar guest and entertainer. And whilst he had always been known for charities, he was now no less distinguished for religion. He was busy. He was much in the open air. He did good. His face seemed to open and brighten, as if with an inward consciousness of service. And for more than two months, the doctor was at peace. On the 8th of January, Utterson had dined at the doctor's with a small party. Lannon had been there, and the face of the host had looked from one to the other, as in the old days, when the trio were inseparable friends. On the 12th, and again on the 14th, the door was shut against the lawyer. The doctor was confined to the house, Paul said, and so no one. On the 15th, he tried again and was again refused, and having now been used for the last two months to see his friend almost daily, he found this return of solitude to weigh upon his spirits. The fifth night he had in guest to, to dine with him, and the sixth he betook himself to Dr. Lanyon's. There at last he was not denied admittance. But when he came in, he was shocked at the change which had taken place in the doctor's appearance. He had his death warrant written legibly upon his face. The rosy man had grown pale. His flesh had fallen away. He was visibly balder and older, and yet it was not so much these tokens of a swift physical decay that arrested the lawyer's notice as a look in the eye and quality of manner that seemed to testify to some deep-seated terror of the mind. It was unlikely that the doctor should fear death, and yet that was what Utterson was tempted to suspect. Yes, he thought. He's a doctor. He must know his own state, and 
that his days are counted and the knowledge is more than he can bear. And yet, when Utterson remarked on his ill looks, it was with an air of great firmness that Lanyon declared himself a doomed man. I've had a shock, he said, and I shall never recover. It is a question of weeks. Well, life has been pleasant. I liked it. Yes, sir. I, I used to like it. I sometimes think if we knew all, we should be more glad to get away. Jekyll is ill too, observed Ederson. Have you seen him? But Landon's face changed, and he held up a trembling hand. I wish to see or hear no more of Dr. Jekyll. I'm quite done with that person. And I beg that you will spare me any allusion to one whom I regard as dead. Tut tut, said Mr. Ederson, and then after a considerable pause, can't I do anything? We are three very old friends, Lanyon. We should not live to make others. Nothing can be done, returned Lanyon. Ask himself. He will not see me, said the lawyer. I am not surprised at that, was the reply. Some day, Utterson, after I'm dead, you may perhaps come to learn the right and wrong of this. I cannot tell you. And in the meantime, if if you can sit and talk with me of other things, for God's sake, stay and do so. But if you cannot keep clear of this accursed topic, then, then in God's name, go, for I cannot bear it. As soon as he got home, Ederson sat down and wrote to Jekyll, complaining of his exclusion from the house and asking the cause of this unhappy break with Lanyon. And the next day brought him a long answer, often very pathetically worded, and sometimes darkly mysterious in drift. The quarrel with Lanyon was incurable. I do not blame our old friend, Jekyll wrote, but I share his view that we must never meet. I mean, from henceforth to lead a life of extreme seclusion. You must not be surprised, nor must you doubt my friendship, if my door is often shut even to you. You must suffer me to go my own dark way. I've brought on myself a punishment and a danger that I cannot name. If I am the chief of sinners, I am the chief of sufferers also. I could not think that this earth contained a place for sufferings and terrors so unmanning. Um, you can do but one thing, Utterson, to lighten this destiny, and that is to respect my silence. Utterson was amazed. The dark influence of Hyde had been withdrawn. The doctor had returned to his old tasks and amities. A week ago, the prospect had smiled with every promise of a cheerful and an honored age. And now, in a moment, friendship and peace of mind and the whole tenor of his life were wrecked. So great and unprepared, a change pointed to madness. But in view of Landon's manner and words, there must lie for it some deeper ground. A week afterwards, Dr. Lanyon took to his bed, and in something less than a fortnight, he was dead. The night after the funeral, at which he had been sadly affected, Utterson locked the door of his business room, and sitting there by the light of a melancholy candle, drew out and set before him an 
envelope addressed by the hand and sealed with the seal of his dead friend. Private for the hands of J. G. J. Utterson alone, and in case of his predeceased, to be destroyed unread. So it's emphatically superscribed, and the lawyer dreaded to behold the contents. I've buried one friend today, he thought. What if this should cost me another? And then he condemned the fears of disloyalty and broke the seal. Within, there was another enclosure, likewise sealed, and marked upon the cover as not to be open to the death or disappearance of Dr. Henry Jekyll. Utterson could not trust his eyes. Yes, it was disappearance. Here again, as in the mad will, which he had long ago restored to its author, here again were the idea of a disappearance and the name of Henry Jekyll bracketed. But in the will, that idea had sprung from the sinister suggestion of the man Hyde. It was set there with a purpose all too plain and horrible. Written by the hand of Lanyon, what should it mean? A great curiosity came on the trustee to disregard the prohibition and dive at once to the bottom of these mysteries. But professional honor and faith to his dead friend were stringent obligations. And the packet slept in the inmost corner of his private safe. It is one thing to mortify curiosity, another to conquer it, and it may be doubted if, from that day forth, Utterson desired the society of his surviving friend with the same eagerness. He thought of him kindly, but his thoughts were disquieted and fearful. He went to call, indeed, but he was perhaps relieved to be denied admittance. Perhaps in his heart he preferred to speak with Poole upon the doorstep and surrounded by the air and sounds of the open city rather than to be admitted into that house of voluntary bondage and to sit and speak with its inscrutable recluse. Poole had, indeed, no very pleasant news to communicate. The doctor, it appeared, now more than ever, confined himself to the cabinet over the laboratory, where he would sometimes even sleep. He was out of spirits. He had grown very silent. He did not read. It seemed as if he had something on his mind. Utterson became so used to the unvarying character of these reports that he fell off little by little in the frequency of his visits.
Hello, all you sexy naked girls radio listeners. Have yourself a naked day and make it a naughty night with me, Sandra London, on Playtime with Sandra every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Last 